Welcome to Women in the Arena podcast, the podcast celebrating women doing extraordinary things in plain sight. I'm your host, Audra Egan, and our mission is to elevate the value, strength, and resilience each woman brings to the world. Without further delay, let's go ahead and start the show. Welcome in, everyone, and thank you so much for joining me again this week. Today is part two of our interview with Christine Beckwith. In part two, she shares with us a part of herself that not very many people get to see. I hope you're ready to learn more about Christine. So let's go ahead and start the show. that DNA, that scrappy DNA mm-hmm. um, that I think a lot of us have. And I and I agree with you about this whole mean girl culture. I've been fighting against the mean girl culture since I was a teenager. I've never liked it. I've never participated with it. I think it's counterproductive. I think that it's basically eating your own, um, which is, yep. you know, one of the reasons why I created this platform, because I wanted to demonstrate how similar we all are rather than being different individuals. And you'd mentioned something about women having momentum, because you're right, we finally have a foot in the door and there's starting to be a trajectory forward for women everywhere, not just here in the US, but everywhere in the world. And you can feel that energy. But you mentioned something about us as women having to do work on ourselves first before we can be successful together. Are there any bits and pieces that you can think of that specifically, maybe it's, it's traits that we all commonly share that we have to overcome. And maybe it's not something that we even consciously realize. It may have been a, it may be a traditional characteristic that we just simply inherited. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there anything that comes to mind that you're like, we got to fix that? I mean, I feel like I've been a work in progress my whole life. I will tell you, and this sounds self-serving as a consultant, but I promise you it's not. I have been an educational geek my whole life where if there was a free class, education came hard to me. So I'm going to back up for a minute. And I've told this story before, but I think it's really important. When When I was in eighth grade and I was 14 years old, I had to choose whether I was going into college and picking business, college prep, um, or vocational And my parents wanted me to do business. They thought it was practical. They knew then they did not have the money to send me to college. This sounds horrible, but I promise you, my mom and dad are the best people on earth. They gave us a beautiful home. We were rich in many ways. We were not wealthy people. Um, And they were realists. They were really realists. They didn't want to see my dreams get shattered. So they kept our feet on the ground. And I was a dreamer. So I was a lot of work for them because out of the womb, I was like going to, you know, fly to the moon. And they were constantly bringing me down to earth. And I felt like they felt very pessimistic to me because they were constantly telling me what my limitations were. And maybe in some way that had like a slingshot effect for me. I, I don't know. But as I entered high school, I actually forged my mother's signature on a document that put me into college prep and it wouldn't be till the end of the first semester of my freshman year, bringing my report card home, by the way, which was straight A's and my older sister, sorry, Tammy, 
that didn't have straight A's, um, <laughs> having literally getting off the school bus. And I was more, she wasn't worried because she hadn't flunked anything. So that was her qualifier. And mine was, oh my God, they're going to know I'm in the college prep, which was my mother was so mad and marched to school and demanded them to switch me into the business. And she became challenged by my school principal who sat her down and said that he saw something special in me and thought that she should let me stay in college prep and work my way towards school scholarships and that they would have a guidance counselor work with me. And that's what happened for four years. I did extracurricular. I was groomed for scholarship and I would go to school on full scholarship by the time I graduated. And so because of that work, I really became very mature and responsible at a very young age because I had to do that. I knew I had to do that to get where I was going. And so I think about that today and I've been a perpetual student of life. And so I've gone through divorce. I have gone through clinical depression, which I've written about in my books. You know, I've had things that have shown up in my life unexpectedly and I've had to overcome them and they've been deep emotional potholes, if you will. And they, and I've been through the good and bad markets on top of that you know, closing that whole firm down. And so like everybody else, I've had my challenges pretty much starting my adult life with not a you know dollar in my pocket, really. And not afraid to say I'm a multimillionaire today. And the reason that I am is because I have continued to believe that I am a work in progress. And so the work I've put in, I've done the Liar Lid, the Hero's Journey, and a bunch of different series. I've done everything that the companies would put out and I'm still working on myself. I put six hours a month into coaching on myself. I don't always want to do it by the way, the days that I'm scheduled, I, I hem and haw like everybody else. And I, I think, Oh God, I got to do this. Here's what I'm going to tell you. I right now I'm writing a book, my second solo book. I've written five collaborative books between wise eyes, which was my only solo book. And the one I'm writing right now, which is called finding honor, the journey to the truth. And it is a book about the human journey. So this question could not be more pointed. It is literally, and I know you didn't even know I was writing a book because I didn't tell you that. So I know, didn't this, know. Isn't, this isn't some sticky thing we did for the podcast. Yeah, um, no, had, had no had idea. No, it was completely no accidental. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it literally is a book that I'm digging deep on. My last chapter is called Reflected Hate. It's about the things that I have committed to not doing. I don't mind sharing. One of those is gossip. In January 1st of 2018, I committed myself to not gossiping. Well, the chapter unfolds in such a way in this book where it tells you that I did this because I didn't feel good when I talked about other people. And I recognize that. Unfortunately, I not to damn my own family and my greatest friends, but it seemed to be the center of most of our conversations would be gossiping. And so I can't tell you how difficult this one thing was. And um, on top of a hundred things I've worked on, on myself, this one thing was so hard. And I, I, didn't, I couldn't even talk to my mom for a little while because she'd call and want to talk about my sisters. <laughs> and I'd be like, mom, I can't, I'm not gossiping. Well, what fun is that? How are you going to talk to anybody? <laughs> Everybody talks about their, and I'm like, I'm only going to talk about anybody if I'm helping or healing, if I'm saying a person's name or speaking specifically about them. Well, sooner or later, this began to rub off on the people that talked to me. And the people that didn't like talking to me anymore because of this this change I made talked to me less. 
And so in a weird way, it weeded out all the people that would put me at compromise of this. I can tell you, I still get challenged and catch myself sometimes in conversations, but I didn't expect what would happen next. And that is that the moment I became a person that didn't talk about other people, that if I had something to say, I said it to their face or I didn't say it at all. I fell more in love with myself in a way where my self-confidence rose. And I realized that reflected hate, that thing that stands to take away what makes us feel good about ourselves, our imposter voice, guilt, you know, and a lot of other things come from our own reflection. If you are lying or you're cheating, you do not trust anyone. You look around the world, you look through a certain lens, you you see the world like that. I know because I work with people that have no trust and it's a reflection on their character typically. And so I teach a lot in this particular area today in behavioral management. I have PhD consultants that are here that are doing mindset classes. I believe so much of what deters us from success are these inside factors that we have to face and and we have to grow. So I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I guess to summarize, I think this is the problem I focused on this past year. I, I, I focused on really being as authentic as I could be and being as honest as I could be. People have recently told me that I'm brutal, which is funny to me. I, I was like, brutal. What do you mean I'm brutal? And they're like, well, you're brutally honest now. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, yeah, but like, you don't even butter it up at all. Like your <laughs> delivery is so harsh. And I'm like, oh man, like, am I turning into one of those old cranky people that just says it like it is and does doesn't even care. So I don't know, but you know, I, I challenge myself to find something new, um, to find something greater. Recently, I have said I'm going to commit a number of hours per week to giving back. And so just this month, we gave away 40 scholarships for 2022 coaching through the hands of our master students. We allowed, we gave them the gift of giving, which is a gift to them because it's a wonderful feeling to give them. And just, I continue to try to find ways. These things are soul filling, uh, S O U L not so filling soul Mm -hmm. filling. And, um, I'm just on that journey now, call it deep, call it whatever you want, call it coming of age. I hope I have decades in front of me to continue to make a difference. I'm selective where I go today. I speak on less stages than I ever have. I'm a more private person, believe it or not. People think I'm an open book because of my social media, but there's so much in my life that is very intimate and private. And I'm just showing up with the responsibility as a teacher. I, I think the world is looking at me now as a teacher and they come to me and they want that conversation that's going to be enlightening. And because I live in this zone now every day here at 2020, I'm ready for that conversation most of the time with anybody that wants to have it. And so it's a beautiful place to be in my life. It absolutely is, because I think what you're saying, in order to all of us show up for each other, we have to show up for ourselves as ourselves, show up authentically, work on the stuff that's hard. I and work on the stuff that's uncomfortable. And I think I've said this before in my show, and I have absolutely no problem in admitting, admitting it. I go to counseling regularly yeah. because I'm diving deep into the things that I don't like 
or the things that hurt and I need to recover from because we all carry wounds internally and we just sort of, we ignore them until you can't. And I'm investing this time in myself because like you, I want to show up better in the world because I can't, I can no longer be just a consumer. And I think that that's what you're telling me too, is that you can no longer just be a consumer. You have to produce something positive and good in the world. And you happen to do it through, through your life, through your business, through every aspect that you have. You use every tool you've got. And, And I don't know if you have come to the realization of this. And I know that you're highly competitive. You're a phenomenal salesperson, but I don't think that's your real superpower at all. I think that those happen to be some of the aspects of you, but I don't think that that's what you've been put on this earth to do. I literally believe that you have been put on this earth to help other people reach their full potential. That is your gift. That is what you're supposed to do. And you just happen to be doing it in this space. And I think it's amazing and remarkable that through happenstance, through accident, maybe some um, gentle universal nudging, you found your purpose. And you found your purpose later in life. So one, that tells me that it's never too late to find your purpose. Yeah. And two, that when you live in your purpose, your purpose will take care of you. That, from this entire conversation, that is what I'm learning from you. Uh, Well, first of all, thank you. And you know, I've had a couple of people say what you just said to me, and it really still surprises me when I'm (laughs) listening. And I was hanging on your every word as it was coming out of your mouth, because I'm like, what is she going to say? My sole purpose is. (laughs) And I do think you're right. You know, I'm coming to terms with that, because I spent my whole career thinking that you know, I had epic sales and brought companies to, you know, this or that through interviews. Now that podcasting is more popular. I've had a lot of people say, why do you think you beat your competition? Why do you think you were more successful? And those types of questions have led me down deep paths of self-reflection where I thought, yeah, why did I beat those other 205 branch managers or why? And really, I, I sat down one night and had a long conversation with a with a dear friend that's also in the business, and we discovered, we, we unpacked this whole thing, and we thought, you know, one of the edges that, that I was able to have is getting people to follow me. You know, in order to have 125 people go from zero to first place in 16 months, that meant like all 125 people like really reaching heights they had never personally reached. So it's one thing for me as a competitor to compete man to man and bring myself there, but to get a group of people to follow you. And I think it's because I've never showed up and said, you know, make me number one. I've said, you guys are in last place and this is who you are and who you're seen as today. But what do you want to tell the world about who you are? And just that line in itself, which is what I said on the opening meeting when they were in last place, and I stayed up to four o'clock in the morning. First of all, I thought, will they always be thinking about me being the woman manager competing against these other 13 guys? What if I can't get them out of last place? You know, these are the things that went through my mind. And then I thought, hell no, you know, I'm just going to make 
them look inside. And let me tell you, I am here today because that principal was willing to fight my mother's reality of keeping me down. I am here today because people, those mentors showed up in my life to say they saw something in me. And because of that belief system in me, when I didn't have that belief system in myself, I rose through that. I We want as people to become the heroes of our children's lives. We want to become the wives that, you know, and husbands and, and just the community people. I have great aunts that have passed. I'm right now refurbishing a bureau of my great grandmother's and it's a 1930s art deco dresser. I know nothing about furniture, but I started to research because she left it to me and it's been in storage for two decades. And I thought, well, this would be a really neat makeup table. I'm going to research it, its value, how to do it. And I've been working on it and I've been dreaming of her. I've been thinking of her. I can remember her sitting at this dresser as a child. And it's just really had me like really kind of nostalgic. But I think the biggest thing that I think of is like the elder women in my family. They wrote the genealogy books uh, of our family's background and they served as librarians. And, you know, I I think I have that, you know, in me. I I have all those pieces of of these women that came before me in my family that that stood up in their communities and, and did extra work. So I see myself as being that. And I will tell you, I still think youthfully, you know, I feel like I have a long, I hope, uh, ride ahead. I hope to unearth even more teaching books. I hope to lecture in ways that move people beyond the places they are. I hope to sit with people that are hurting and help them digest why and what and, and how to you know, move forward from those places. And yeah, if I can make a living doing this, which, which I am, that is less important to me than making a difference. So, so you are right. And um, my dad always said, put the people first and, and the money will come. If you always make the people first, you'll never worry. You'll be provided for, because if you provide for people, people will provide for you. And I will tell you that has served for me to be true. And the ROI I get on my birthday, just in November, early November, I had 28 bouquets of flowers come over two days. And my son was like taken aback by it. And he's 15. And he was kind of like, mom, are you like, are you well known? Like what, what's going on? Like, why? Mom, are you famous? (laughs) Kind of like that. And I'm not, but my boyfriend of 15 years said it the best. He said, your mother is loved. Your mother is loved. And I thought, this is my ROI. That was not money. That was not something I could go cash at a bank, but man, for the days I sat for that week, looking around my house at these flowers, I just thought, what a beautiful existence. What a, what a beautiful thing to, to have this type of gratitude for people to be so happy and thankful. So, What a beautiful legacy, not only for the people that you are leaving a trail behind you, but as, as dedication to the women that came before you. I mean, that's such a beautiful story and sentiment because I feel the same. I feel like I carry my grandmothers and my great-grandmother with me. They blazed a trail that was harder than the one that I than I've had to blaze because they were women that weren't even treated as humans. They were treated as property. And and so I 
bring them with me everywhere I go. And it's, it's heartwarming to hear that you do the very same thing. And I, you know, I, I cannot tell you how much I have enjoyed our conversation today. I hope everybody else has, I hope that they've taken something from our conversation. If there are people out there listening that want to reach out to you, regardless of their industry that they happen to be in, maybe they just want to talk to you. How would they connect with you? Absolutely. Just send us an email at info at visionyoursuccess.net. Info at visionyoursuccess.net. That actually will come directly into my inbox, my email inbox, and several other people in case I'm away from my desk. Um, and Heaven forbid. Yes. <laughs> and it will get you to me and I will talk to you. And I do that every week with a lot, a ton of people. Anna and I, Audra and I did not know each other. And she reached out to me and we spoke and we had mutual acquaintances, the wonderful and magnificent Marsha Davies, who she just did her last podcast on. If you didn't watch it, go back and watch it. And I watched it and it was amazing. And she's one of my idols as well. So anyways, well, I thank you for having this podcast, um, The Woman in the Arena. I definitely think I am one and I'm out here uh, fighting the good fight for all of us. So I hope to continue to be someone you get to watch in the future and and, and uh, applaud, hopefully, and we'll both be doing our part. Absolutely. You and I are, are hopeful world changers. You and I want to change the world one person at a time. That's it. Thank well, you. Thank you again for being here. I appreciate it so much. And I appreciate all of you for listening and and spending your week with us. And we'll see you again next time. That's our show. Thank you all so much for spending your time with me and continuing to support this show, this community, and our endeavor to change the world one interview at a time. If you have any ideas for a new show or for a guest that you'd like me to interview, please reach out to me at audra at womenintheArena.net. Thank you again for all of your support, and we'll see you again next time. so grateful for each and every one of you and your unwavering support and your continued belief in this movement that has become much bigger than me, much bigger than just a podcast. It has become this forward momentum that we are all doing together. If you are ready or you know somebody that is, that is ready to tell your story and share your value with the world, please connect with me. You can reach me at audra at womenintheArena.net. I am so honored and thankful that you will share your story with me, and I'll make sure that it is well taken care of. I will never stop thanking each and every one of you, and I cannot wait to talk to you again next week as we share another woman's story and we celebrate her doing extraordinary things in plain sight. We'll see you next time.